and appreciate the good singing this morning and appreciate you being here this morning. And I uh, want you to turn with me to John the fifth chapter, John the fifth chapter. And as we look at this this morning, I pray that uh, uh, you open up your heart and let Jesus speak to you this morning. Uh, he is here, he's passing by today, and we thank him for his presence in our service. Uh, if we didn't have the sweet Holy Spirit and Christ in our presence, uh, we'd just be going through the motions this morning. But we thank him for his presence here. We want to look at a scripture this morning that's very familiar to us about a, a man, and there was a lot of people there that had problems that was needing uh, healing in their life. In John the fifth chapter, starting in verse 1, John 5 and 1. And it says, After this there was a feast at the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For the angel went down at a certain season unto the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. On the same day was the Sabbath. Uh, I want us to think about putting yourself right where this man was at this morning. Uh, he was uh, been this in condition for 30 and 8 years. And a lot of us have had physical problems that uh, we cannot uh, seem to get control of. A lot of people spend a fortune going to the doctors trying to uh, get situations taken care of. So we place ourselves in this man's position this morning. For 38 years he had been in this condition. And there by this pool... Uh, and this time, uh, before Christ uh, uh, had came, uh, there had been a troubling of the water in certain seasons. And when the water was troubled, uh, then whoever stepped into the pool of the water first, the first one in, was the only one that was made whole of whatsoever disease that they had. So we think of this man, uh, put yourself there, you've had this problem for 38 years, and uh, you've been sitting there by this pool, we don't know how long that he's been sitting there. And each time when the angel came and troubled the water, we can see the people, probably everybody's eyes was fixed on the water, and they was watching the water, so that when it began to move and was troubled, they could start making their way uh, to step into the water. Some of them wasn't able to walk. Somebody had to pick them up and lift them in. Uh, some was blind. They couldn't see. And a lot of them was dependent upon somebody else. And if that person wasn't there to get them into the water, then their chances was gone. 
And this man had been sitting there for 30, or uh, he'd been in this condition for 38 years, and we don't know how long he had been waiting by the pool there to be healed. And here comes a man that he had never met before, a man by the name of Jesus. And he steps up to the man and asks him a question, Wilt thou be made whole? Well, sure, you know, sure, I want to be made whole. Uh, He wanted to be healed of this condition. And I want us to back up for just a minute and look. Uh, All the people that was around the pool, all the people that was laying there, the blind, the halt, the withered, the lame, uh, all in bad condition, wanting to be healed of that disease. And we look at it and we look at our life as uh, uh, in our life, our basic, our life. If we're not a Christian, basically we're in the same condition that these blind, uh, these uh, lame people was in. Uh, and, and in Second Corinthians it talks about, Paul says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to those that are lost. Uh, those that, uh, that don't know Jesus as their Savior, and that's who it's hid to uh, from. Now, Satan doesn't want you to realize this morning that you are lost. That's his goal. He's going to try to convince you that you're as good, if not better, than somebody else in this church or somebody else that you know. But if you're lost and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're in worse condition this morning than these people that was laying around the pool. Uh, and, and when it's hard for us to see that, and we don't want to see that, and Satan will keep us blinded from that. He don't want us to know about the love of God. He don't want us to know about the love of Jesus. He don't want us to know that Jesus died for our sins upon the cross. He wants us to feel that we're better than somebody else, and we can hide behind something or behind them. Now, if I'm using somebody else in this church or anywhere else to keep me from coming to church, and I'm saying, well, they're worse often I am. I know what they do. I know the things that they say. I know how they let their tongue go wild. I know the things that they say, uh, and I know that they're a hypocrite, you know, and we just really run them down. And so what we're trying to do is make them smaller than we are. And so for me to hide behind this little thing right here this morning, I've got to be smaller than it is. And so it would be hard to hide behind this. We want to hide behind something so Paul says that, that we're all blinded to the gospel of Christ if we're lost, those that are lost. Satan wants you to think that you are better than somebody else, and if anybody else makes it, you'll make it. And then the second thing I want us to look at is the troubling of the water. Whosoever, it says there in that fourth verse, uh, we go back to that fourth verse, and an angel went down at a certain season unto the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole. Whosoever. And we look at this, you go back to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whosoever, there's that whosoever, here at the pool, the first one in to the pool was the one that was made whole. So they was trying their best to get there. They wanted to get there. They was watching that water. So whosoever, it didn't matter who they was. It didn't matter what nationality they was. It didn't matter what the disease was that they had. Whosoever stepped in first. 
And we look at this in this day and time, well, we've got all kinds of pills. We've got a pill for high blood pressure. You've got a pill for low blood pressure. You've got pills for sugar. You've got pills for everything. And so if you've got something wrong, you've got to have the right pill uh, to, be, uh, uh, to correct that. And so we look here. It didn't matter who they was. The, the, when the water was troubled, whosoever stepped in first was made whole of whatsoever disease that they had. So they was uh, watching that water. They wanted to get into that water. They wanted to be healed of that disease. And so when we move on down, then we look to this, uh, whosoever of whatsoever here, then it was whatsoever or whosoever of whatsoever. Whosoever it was that had a disease or had something wrong with them, when they stepped into the water, they was made whole of whatsoever disease that they had. And so when we look at this, I want us to think this morning, when we look at what Jesus Christ done for us on the cross, it was whatsoever they had or whosoever, but not whensoever. It had to be the first one after the troubling of the water. Now, I don't understand why Christ didn't come and just touch everybody at the pool. I'm sure there was lots of people, there was lots of people laying around that pool that wanted to be healed. But in this instance here, it was the one that stepped in first. Then Christ singled this one man out. And he said, Wilt thou be made whole? What do you think this man was thinking? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm here. I want to be made whole. Uh, that's what I've been laying here all this time for. I want to be made whole of this disease. Why did Christ ask him that question? I think that Christ, and the Scripture doesn't tell us this, but I think that Christ wanted to get his attention. Get his attention. What was this man doing? He was watching the water. He was watching that water to make sure when it started to be moving and was troubled, he wanted to try him best. Maybe he could get this man that just come along to pick him up and get him into the water. I don't know what he's thinking, but Christ, wilt thou be made whole? Yes, sure, that's what I'm here for. I think Christ wanted him to take his eyes off of the water and look at him. Look at me. You remember Paul when he went into the temple uh, uh, sometime after this, and they was, boy, the early church was going great, and there was a man that was laid at the, laid at the gate there, and uh, he was wanting people to uh, give him money for uh, his sickness and help him with his bills and things and give him alms and money. And Peter said, fast your eyes upon me. Look at me. Look at us. And he said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have in the name of the Father give you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I think Christ wanted this man to take his eyes off the water. Quit worrying about the water. Look at me. I'm the one that's going to heal you. I'm the one that's going to touch your body. And when this man looked at him, then he said, Take up thy bed and walk. And this man immediately took up his bed and began to walk. Uh, he was healed of that disease that he had. And I want us to go back to uh, the Scripture today. And we're going to start back in the book of Genesis. And we'll get through before 2 or 3 o'clock maybe this afternoon. But we're going to start back in the book of Genesis. You remember when Adam... 
Adam and Eve was placed in the garden, they was in a perfect place, perfect environment. They had everything that they needed. Everything that their heart's desire would need was there. All the fruit, everything, uh, God had blessed them with this and prepared this for them in the garden. And then we don't know how long it was before Satan come upon the scene. And then Satan began to tempt Eve and begin to tell her uh, that, go ahead and eat of this. Surely you're not going to die. God wouldn't let you die. And she says, we cannot eat of this. God told us in the day that we partook of this that we would die. And Satan began to put just enough Scripture into it to make her believe uh, uh, that it was okay for her to partake of this fruit. We know what happened. When she partook of that fruit, first thing she stole from God, that was God. God said, you can have every fruit in the garden except that one fruit don't touch that fruit but that's the one that she went after and and then she gave to her husband and what happened it says their eyes were open they realized that they were naked and see every day up until this point every day God come to the garden and talk to them in the cool of the day they had that communication straight with God they could go to him every day and talk with him uh, and, and share their uh, feelings and uh, thank him for what he had done and and they had that conversation every day and then because of that they realized that they was naked and God came to them and he began to call out their name Adam where art thou and he said I was naked and I hid myself who told you that you was naked and then because of that see they tried to put good works into it Good works is not going to save you. They tried to put the good works. They sold fig leaves and put them together to cover their body. They realized they was naked for the first time. And then they tried to do it themselves. But an animal sacrifice, there had to be a sacrifice for sins. If they had never have committed that sin, that animal wouldn't have had to die. But because of that sin, an innocent animal had to die. And he took the skin of that animal and covered their bodies. And then we see the plagues and the things that was put upon the garden, upon this earth, and upon man and woman because of those sins. And then we come on down through Scripture into uh, Genesis and uh, into Exodus where the children of Israel was being brought out of bondage. And they was complaining. They was fussing all the time. They was never satisfied. God fed them manna. God uh, uh, sent the quail down. God brought water out of the rock. God took care of all their needs, but they were constantly complaining. And we see how that God sent the fiery serpents. And when they was bit by that fiery serpent, they'd die. But God had a remedy. And he told Moses, he says, make a brazen serpent, and put that serpent upon the pole. And he says, when they come and look to that serpent, they'll be healed. Now, everybody was being bit because they was everywhere. But all they had to do was come, and that serpent was put upon a pole, still use that same signal today, uh, uh, same uh, scenario with our medical field today with the serpent, but when they were bitten by the fiery serpent, all they had to do was just to come and look up to that serpent on that pole. And they was healed. Okay, how many of those people that was in the wilderness that was bit by that fiery serpent do you think that didn't go look and look up? 
Oh, they'd all heard about it. Moses got a serpent down there. It's up on a pole. If you get bit by one of these things, all you got to do is go down there and look up, and you'll be healed. I don't believe that there was anybody that just sat down and said, oh, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to see what's going to happen. I believe everybody made their way down to look up to that serpent because they'd been bit, and they knew that they was going to die. And there was a remedy. And all they had to do was just look up. Very simple. Just look up and believe, and you're healed. Folks, every one of us, everybody here today has been bit by that old serpent, the devil. We've been stung by him. We've yielded to him. We've listened to him. And we've been tempted by him, and we have yielded to the temptation. There's nobody in this building today that, says, that can say that you haven't been tempted, you haven't been bit by the old devil, the old serpent, because we all have. We've all been bitten. Paul says that our gospel was hid to those that was lost. There had to be a cure. There had to be a remedy. And so that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. And this is leading up to the cross and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Cecil mentioned Jesus coming into the city there. They laid out their palm leaves. They were all worshiping him. They was all calling him Hosanna. Uh, they all thought that he was going to be uh, the king. He was going to set up his rule and he was going to set up his reign there in Jerusalem. And boy, they was worshiping him. But it wasn't long till almost every one of them turned their back upon him. Why? Because they had been bitten with that old serpent, the devil. He didn't set up that rule. He didn't set up that reign like the disciples thought he was going to, like all the people in Jerusalem thought he was going to. See, they misunderstood. He was talking about that heavenly rule, that heavenly reign, that one day that he would set up and reign upon this earth. But that's going to be a while before that happens. And so we see that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the creator of this universe, the religious leaders hated him. The religious leaders wanted to get rid of him. The religious leaders said uh, he was mocking God. They said that he was a Beelzebub. He was of the devil. And they wanted to get rid of this man called Jesus. This was the man that was fixing to die for their sins. And we see how that he went into Jerusalem, and then he was taken into an illegal court. And they took him in that night. His own disciples, Peter said, Lord, they will not take you. You remember the scripture. Uh, Peter said, Lord, I'll fight for you. And he actually did. He took out his sword and cut off one of the soldier's ears. I mean, he was ready to do battle for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he thought he was going to set up that earthly kingdom. And the Lord said, Peter, put down your sword. Put it up. The Lord reached down and took that man's ear and put it back on, made him whole again. But we see as the night went on, the Lord told Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. No, Lord, there's no way. How many of us have felt that we would never deny our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Lord, I'll stand for you. I'll fight for you. And then we do something that we shouldn't. We're tempted. We say something that we shouldn't. We may not just come right out like Peter did. 
Peter came out and cursed. You know, they asked him, that girl asked him the last time, uh, you're one of his. I remember, you're, I, you're one of them. And he cursed and said, I don't know him. I never knew him. And the Lord never said a word. Jesus Christ was just right across from him there. And when Peter said that, the scripture says that the Lord looked over at him. Can you imagine how Peter felt then? He'd been bitten by that old serpent, the devil. He said, Lord, I never knew him. He said, I never knew him. And he cursed. I believe Peter sunk to the bottom. I mean, he was on the bottom. It says that he went out and he wept bitterly. And we go on as the night goes on. They take our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a perfect man that had never committed a sin, a perfect man that had never uh, done the things that we do every day. He lived that perfect life. He was the only one that was able to ever do that. And so the Scripture says it had to be a perfect sacrifice, a perfect lamb without spot or blemish had to be offered for a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And when they committed those sins, they was to pick out a perfect uh, animal there that was no blemish on it, no spot or blemish to offer for that sacrifice. And God's Son, the Son of God, uh, the, of the Trinity there, the Son of God had come. He lived that perfect life. He had never committed a sin. Uh, he lived that life that we all dream and wish that we could live. But he was the only one that could ever do that. And there they was, beating him that night taking him and beating him, they plucked out his beard. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails. They tore the skin off of his back. And I believe by the next morning that his body was almost beyond recognition. And they was laughing at him. They was spitting at him. And he never spoke a word. He was that perfect sacrifice that was going to die for their sins, for your sins, and for my sins. See, there's got to be a perfect sacrifice. And this is in God's creation. And this is the way that God set it up. In John, the first chapter, you read in John, the first chapter, and it says, in the beginning was the Word. What was the Word? The Word was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was there in the beginning. Before this world was ever formed, before this uh, world was created, before the animals and all was created, and they put a plan together because God knew that they was going to partake of that fruit in the garden. God knew that we was all going to be tempted and that we was going to give in to sin. God knew that we needed a sacrifice and it had to be a sacrifice. And so his son there in creation and, and they he left heaven he had all the glories of heaven and he left that to come and to be born as you and i do uh, are, are born and he knew everything that you and i go through with he was tempted in all points and you say well my temptation is different than somebody else and we can maybe we can look at that and say that ours is different or we're tr uh, we're tempted worse than anybody else uh, god says uh, in the scripture that Jesus Christ was tempted in all points. So he knows exactly what you and I are going through. He knows the temptation. He knows the heartbreaks. He knows the heartaches. He knows all about us, but he loves us just the same. And that's hard for us to do. We can love somebody, but when we begin to find out some of the things that those people do or some of the habits that they have got, if we're not careful, we might stop loving them because, boy, you know, that's not good. That's not right. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't think like that. But God knows every thought that enters our mind, every thought. 
before we ever speak it or say it. We don't even have to speak it. He knows. But you know what? He still loves you just the same. That's the reason that when he was hanging there on the cross, he didn't call 10,000 angels. He could have called 10,000 angels. They could have come and took him down. He could have just spoke the words, and they couldn't have moved a hand. He could have just spoke it, and that soldier couldn't raise that hammer up to drive those spikes into his hands. He could have just spoke it, uh, and that man couldn't have took that spear and pushed it into his side. He could have just spoke the word, and that soldier that pushed that, corner, uh, that crown of thorns down upon his head, he couldn't have done it. He didn't say a word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him. That whosoever, you go back to the pool, all nationalities was laying around there. People of different color, people of different race, it didn't matter. But the first one that stepped in the pool was made whole of whatsoever disease they had. With Jesus Christ, you go back to John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that whosoever, that covers this whole world. This is his creation. It's not just us here in Cookville, Tennessee. It's the whole world. He knows all about us. And he knew all about you and me back then, that night, when they was beating him. He knew you by name. He knows me by name right then because he knows all things. And he could have said, I know Gary Ferris. He's not worth it. I know the thoughts that goes through his mind. This was 2,000 years ago, and he knew that. I know when he gets mad, some of the things that he says. I know all about him. He's too mean. He's too sorry. He ain't worth it. I'm not going to die for him. But he did. He knows all about me. He knows all about you. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life this morning. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the thoughts that you have had. He'll forgive you. He died there on the cross for your sins. We have to get in mind this morning what he went through with. I think of the man that was laying by the pool. He was wanting in the water. Everybody was wanting in. Everybody wanted to be healed. But he says, wilt thou be made whole? Why, yes. I want to be healed. I've been laying here for 38 years. Take your eyes off the water and look to me. We've got to take our eyes off the world. We've got to take our eyes off of the things that we have done. Now, Satan is probably putting through your mind right now the things that you have done that you think that, and people say, the Lord, there's no way the Lord can forgive me of all the things that I've done. Let me tell you something. That precious blood that he shed on the old rugged cross will cover your sins, and he died for you just the same as he died for anybody. Now, that man took Jesus by the hand, or he got up. He stepped up. He believed. 
the one that Peter was talking about, he says, fix your eyes on me. Look on me. Quit looking around. Look at me. And what we've got, we'll give it to you. It's not silver or gold, but such as we have. We give to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He reached out and took Peter by the hand. Peter lifted him up. It's very simple this morning, whoever you are, with whatsoever you've got in your life. He's got a cure for it this morning. He loved you that much. We cannot imagine what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, went through that day. The beating alone that he took. And it was only by the grace of God that he survived that beating. But you know what? That wasn't the worst part. It wasn't finished yet. He had to become sin. He had to take your sin and my sin, and it had to be placed upon him. That was God's plan. When the lamb was offered, those sins was placed, and they was just rolled forward. But with Jesus Christ, when he died for your sins and my sins, he became sin then. And that's the reason the son refused to sign. And I believe that in the darkness there, those three hours of darkness upon the cross, that Jesus Christ and God the Father was communing. And Jesus was saying, is everything finished that we talked about back before the foundation of the world? Is the plan of salvation completed? Everything was finished. Everything was finished. And he was fixing to die. And it wasn't the beating that he took that killed him. When he became sin for you and I, and he took our sins, he died. That's when he said, it is finished. Go back and read the scripture. It says, it is is finished and what was he meaning the plan of salvation was finished it was complete and he gave up the ghost and he died for you and I we're living in a world today that's turning their back upon God it's becoming worse every day Satan is rampaging through this country and he's destroying souls and lives But he still loves you, and he's still willing to forgive you. And it's just like that thief that was hanging by his side. One of them said, get us down. If you're who you say you are, get us down. He wanted to get down from there so he could go back to his normal life of stealing and being a thief and doing the things that he'd done. That other thief said, this man has done nothing to deserve this. Nothing. He said, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I should be dying instead of him. And he said, remember me. Remember me when you come. And the Lord turned to him and he said, today thou wilt be with me in paradise. 
That meant that he forgave him of his sins. Those soldiers, everybody, anybody that was standing by could have asked for the same thing. And he was willing to give it to them because he died for their sins. The Roman soldiers, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders that thought they was high and mighty above everybody else, they was guilty. They was guilty. We're all guilty this morning. We've all sinned, and we've come short of the glory of God. I've got high expectations, and I think, well, I'll do something. I'll lose my temper, and I'll say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'll never do that again. Uh, and you know what? I mess up. I might lose my temper. I might hit my thumb with a hammer. I might say something I shouldn't say. But I just have to stop and say, Lord, forgive me. Hebrews says that we have an advocate with the Father. That means our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know him as your Savior, he's wanting to make you whole. He's saying, now at the pool of Bethesda, there was only one person that he healed. I don't understand it. Don't know. One day we'll find out. But today, it's open to everybody. Whosoever means everybody in this world. Everybody. It doesn't matter what color you are, what race, what nationality, where you're at, what you've done. You just come to him and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've sinned. I'm a sinner. And see, first of all, that's the first thing. We've got to admit that we're a sinner. We don't like to do that. We don't want to do that. But you've got to realize that you're lost and that you're dying and you're going to hell. Then once you realize that, that you're lost, and you're a sinner, and you're going to go to hell, then you can ask him to forgive you. You realize you're lost and you say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart and cleanse me and make me whole. And I promise, I promise, he'll do it. You've just got to admit that you're a sinner. Now, you may be living in a dream world. You may feel like, well, I'm good enough. I'm good as anybody else in there. You're hiding behind somebody else when you say that. And remember, for me to hide behind this right here, I've got to be smaller than it is. So you're smaller than that person that you're hiding behind. This is very important. That man believed, and Jesus healed him. All you got to do is believe this morning. Put your faith and trust in him. It's not hard. It's just like the serpent that was put up on the pole in the wilderness. All they had to do was walk across the camp and look up to that serpent, and they was healed. All you got to do this morning, just look to the old rugged cross. The cross was on the screen a few minutes ago. He's not on that cross anymore. They took him down and they buried him. Next Sunday, Brother Roy Harris will be speaking to you about the resurrection, I'm sure. See, he was the only one that's ever had power over death, hell, and the grave. And he came forth out of the grave. He's willing to make you whole this morning of whatsoever disease, whatsoever sin, whatever's in your life. 
that's keeping you separated from God. But you make the decision. Do I want to accept it? Do I want to take my chances? Or I'll wait till another day. In Acts, the fourth chapter, and I think verse 13, it says, Today is the day of salvation. It's today, not tomorrow. That siren that just went by may have been gone to a wreck. Somebody may have just lost their life. They didn't plan on dying this morning, but they did. Worked with a guy for 40-something years, or 31 years. I worked with him for 31 years. He'd been there longer than I had. He was there when I started. I worked 31 years and retired. Been retired 10 years. He had four weeks vacation left a couple of weeks ago. He told the company, he said, I'm taking my four weeks vacation, and when that's up, I retire. Two weeks later, had a heart attack and died. No promise of tomorrow. But today is the day of salvation. I want the pianist and organist to come and get us a hymn of invitation. And I want you to come this morning if you're not a Christian. And automatically the devil is speaking to your heart and saying, you can't do that. You can't go down in front of all those people. I go back to the wilderness when they was bit by the fiery serpent. I don't think they was one of them that just sat there. That was a shame to walk across the count and to look up to that serpent and be healed. If you're ashamed of him, he says he'll be ashamed of you. And it's up to you this morning. Will you stand, bow your heads, no one looking around. Please, no one looking. I'm gonna be down front here. And I want you to just, by faith this morning, step out by faith and come just as you are. As we're fixing to sing the song, just as I am, just as I am. That's the way he wants you to come. And you may say, well, when I get to where I can live it, when I get to where I can be that person, I'll do it. You'll never get there. You'll die and go to hell. It's up to you this morning. Will you come? Just as you are, will you come this morning? Don't be ashamed. He shed his blood for you. He loves you that much. He's bidding this morning. He's here this morning. His presence is here. He's waiting with outstretched arms. Just waiting for you to come this morning and say, I'm sorry. I've sinned. While we sing one more stanza.